From the time of Moses, 3,500 years ago, the church has been adorning her sacred spaces at the instruction of the Lord. Ad Crucem seeks to continue this tradition to the best of our ability, as we create beautiful things to point us to Christ crucified for sinners. See our posters, greeting cards, artwork and banners, each proclaiming the good work that our Lord has done for us. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. Listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Aaron. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. Hey, Bree. Yo. What's on the docket for today? Well, actually, I had a very interesting topic to discuss with you all today. Ooh. It is the topic of the. Wait. Is someone knocking at the <laughs> studio? <laughs> What's going on? What, what is happening? Hey. Hey. Cha- Chaplain Denzer. Of the LCMS International Center, what are you doing in here? I'm just moseying around. What are you guys up to? Uh, we're just recording a podcast today. Oh. Mm-hmm. But you know, Pastor Denzer, while you're here, yes, would you mind? We, we had a couple of questions that we thought maybe a, a pastor could answer or at least try to answer. Do, do you have a few minutes? Sure. Maybe an hour? Come on in. Come on in. Have a seat. <laughs> So this is a uh, kitchen table talk episode now that we've intro it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was awful. That was terrible, but I no, love I'm, it. I'm totally keeping Let's it. Keep it. Yes. Yeah. Unscripted theater in the ladies' lounge. Right. This is a new section. <laughs> that was the most scripted thing ever. <laughs> it was the it wasn't worst. actually written out. <laughs> I think you're ruining the language. <laughs> I don't know if there was this any magic. It's not magic. <laughs> Dark arts, maybe. <laughs> We are presenting y'all with a new segment on the podcast mm-hmm. today, Kitchen Table Talks. We invited our pastor at the LCMS International Center, Sean Denzer, in the studio. He bravely accepted <laughs> our request to be uh, one of the few men that we ever very allow mean. on this podcast. Very, very I hope cool. you appreciate this privilege. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I do. I'm greatly honored. Awesome. I'm sure you are. Do you want to talk about what this idea was born out of before we dive in? Okay. Yeah, sure, why not? Well, this, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but this idea comes directly from one of our listeners, Caitlin Maydinger. Am I right there? Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. We occasionally, we, we try very hard in our Facebook discussion group to mostly keep to faith and life issues and not necessarily dive deep in theology, not because we don't love theology, we really do, but because we realize there are tons of wonderful Lutheran places on the internet where you can do that and places where we can have the wisdom not only of our wonderful, wise, older sisters and deaconesses and such, but also the wisdom of our beloved pastors Mm -hmm. who are generally excluded from the lounge for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> no so, many, so many pastors decline. Right. <laughs> Not this time. So order Nothing personal. Out. But every once in a while, there arises a question in our 
Facebook discussion group that really dives into some very deep theological waters. And nine times out of 10, those conversations are absolutely wonderful with women pulling out deep wells of biblical knowledge and hard-won life wisdom to try to offer answers to their sisters, which is great. And we love, we love to see those conversations, even though we aren't necessarily looking for them. But every once in a while, there arises a question or a set of questions that we, we come away from conversation thinking, well, it would have been really great to ask a pastor about that. Mm-hmm. And so this new segment is designed to sort of collect some of those questions together and present them and discuss them with a pastor that we love and trust and have, you know, have, have a relationship with. And in this case, it is Chaplain Sean Denzer from the International Center. So also, I, I think that there's a, an additional safety net for me to commit heresy with <laughs> an ordained servant of the word on top of being edited, being able to edit out anything mm. that I say during this hour. I love the boldness brief. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> You're going to go. You go all in, right? Someone's thinking it. Man. Hopefully we don't speak any heresy. We can cut it out if we do. That's the beauty of podcasting. The magic of editing. So, hmm. shall we dive into original sin? Oh, This is what brings oh. us together today. Oh, happy topics. <laughs> We're throwing down a pretty major topic for our first go around at this. Because this did come up in a very, very lengthy discussion a, a few months ago in the Facebook group. And we thought, you know what? Why not? So... Chaplain Denzer, let's talk about original sin. What do we know from scripture about our sinful nature and original sin? Yeah, we learn everything about it from scripture. I think we can see some of it just by looking at our own lives and the lives of others around us, (laughs) friends or foes. That's me. (laughs) I feel called out. (laughs) All right. Impressive. (laughs) But uh, I mean, this has always been our confession as Lutherans is that we don't actually know just from experience or just from watching other people how bad things really are, that the, the Bible actually has to reveal this to us. And I, I think that's why a lot of people struggle with it, because they just look around and say, no, it can't be like that. Mm-hmm. But it is. <laughs> Can I ask an offshoot question to that real quick? Yeah, go why not? So when you talk about the concept of original sin, is that like... um? And I don't remember enough about my theology background, obviously. Is original, is that like an ecumenical term or is that, is the, the concept of original sin something that is specific only to certain denominations? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think it's one of those that's up for, it's, it's like, it's similar to like baptism. Everybody's got their opinion on it or their teaching <laughs> okay. on it. And you don't, you, you say baptism, go, and then they go. Hmm, you okay. say original sin, go, and we kind of go. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, interesting. So there's a second article in the Augsburg Confession. That's kind of our big Lutheran moment. And I think everybody thought this would be an easy one, right? The first one was God. Thought we'd be all right on that. And that was okay. The Roman Catholics immediately said, hold on, put the brakes on. Original <laughs> sin. We got to talk more about this. And I think I got the impression it kind of surprised the, the the reformers, but uh hmm. Hmm. But it was. I mean, they were insightful to realize they had a problem with it, and we were insightful to realize that they do have a problem with it. So, (laughs) (laughs) okay, okay. So, where does the concept of original sin come from? Obviously, it is a biblical idea, but I don't remember ever having read the words original sin in any chapter and verse in the Bible. 
It's not in the um, Bible. Uh, I don't. It's not in the Bible in those words, and right. I don't really know who brought it into use. I'm guessing it's Augustine. He wrote a lot on it. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm reading Augustine right now, and he he does write a lot about it. Actually, well, his bestseller is called Confessions. It's his confessions, uh-huh. mm. uh, kind of a tell-all story, you know. Uh, but and very introspective, right? It's not just here's the five bad things I did and then I did this. But it's, I mean, the things he's obsessed about are like I ate a neighbor's pear off the tree, oh. <laughs> you know, which doesn't sound all that damn. Yeah, nice it's good. it's rare to hear about an autobiography start with, well, I don't remember being in the womb. But I know that I was a sinner there, too. And the whole breastfeeding thing, also no direct memories. But I assume that if I had to share with another baby, I was mad about that. And I'm sorry, God. You know, it's <laughs> oh. he. It's a, right. I highly recommend this wonderful <laughs> book. <laughs> so I think all the words need explaining, including the word original. Because, hmm. mm-hmm. you know, OG, right? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Word. <laughs> it has to do with Adam and Eve. We know that much. But a lot of people think original sin is just kind of telling the story of Adam and Eve again. Mm-hmm. You know, they ate an apple. They were told not to do that. They did it anyway. Very rude. But it's not just about <laughs> – if that's, if that's our only understanding of it, then I think we definitely have all the confusions and the objections that people have because they're mm. like, you know, that was really dumb. I would have known to not do the thing mm. he specifically said don't do, mm-hmm. and apples aren't even that good. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Like, it's <laughs> right. not worth, it's not I worth didn't eat the apple. Hard. How come I am suffering for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Not fair, God. Could it have at least been pizza? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's far better than to realize that original has to do with, yes, it has to do with they were the first ones to sin, but it also has to do with the fact that there's an origin of sin in each and every one of us, in all of us kind of collectively. And it's less to do about they made a bad choice and so you have to deal with it. And it's much more to do with before there's any idea of us choosing we're already bent in a certain direction Mm -hmm. and that's how we all come. Yes. It wasn't that way when God created Adam and Eve, but it has been ever since. And we're part of it. That's how we don't get off the hook or we don't get to pass the buck and say, well, they did a stupid thing. And I obviously didn't ever have the chance to do the right thing, which I know I would have done one. You don't know that. (laughs) Uh, Neither do I. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and to, we're, we're saddled with this. So uh, we're not saddled with this as if it's foreign to us. It is, it is mm-hmm. deeply ingrained and, and a twisting of a who we are and it's what we want. And I, I think that's the trickiest part, right? You can't unwant what you want. Mm. Brie wants pizza. You can't convince her that anything else would be better than pizza. Amen. <laughs> Obviously, Adam and Eve's sin corrupted all of us, like a corrupted I sometimes think of it in terms of like a corrupted data file or corrupted DNA. I mean, obviously those are both terrible metaphors, but so we are all corrupted by their sin. What actual effects does this have on our lives? I think corruption is a great word. I know none of the analogies are really going to add up and, uh, and we should be careful not to take the analogies too directly. Right. You know, there's a way in which we could, we could talk about uh, psychology, which is, we're not necessarily just talking about psychology here. Uh, also biology, right? It, you know, as it passed through the X chromosome or the Y chromosome? Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess why, but we talk about Adam being a key part of it. So that's not going to lead us down the right path either. But um, the nature of the corruption is one where it doesn't destroy 
the ability of the person, which is always the case when my files get corrupted. But it's <laughs> but it's, it's it's more like a virus. I mean, it's more like it gets it infects you and it uses you against yourself, right? Mm. Uh, it, it twists everything that's great about you and and now it's being used for the wrong purposes, right? So, so Adam and Eve don't die on the spot when they eat the fruit that's forbidden, right? And that was all part of the devil's trick. But the death is like much more insidious because it's eating away at them without them knowing, right? Mm-hmm. It it's immediately turns all of their their conversation, all of their personality, you know, what kind of marriage dynamics are blown up when immediately they begin blaming each other, right? They're hiding, they're they're destroying God's trees for pretty weird purposes. It's not what God made the leaves for. <laughs> I mean, but that's take some take some ingenuity. They're the first people to invent pants and, yeah. and sewing, and a lot happened in a couple moments, but it's all twisted for evil purposes, mm-hmm. right? So that's what we mean when we say it's a corruption. It, are humans by their creation evil? Did God make evil? No, we say. But now you don't find a person who's not got this evil in them, mm-hmm. who don't have the sin infecting them and, and leading them to commit many things, to think many things they shouldn't think, to say many things they shouldn't say, to want many things they shouldn't want without them maybe even realizing that they're doing that and certainly without like choosing it consciously. So, so all of that is at play in this corruption or this disease or this inclination that is now twisted. And this is, I mean, this is why the devil sucks. He's a liar and he's the father of lies and he, you know, he doesn't ruin creation by blowing it up, just mm. destroying it. You know, now there's no more crops. No, now he's got all sorts of, vile things that are just twisting, taking good yeah. stuff and using it for the bad purposes. Hmm. And it's subtle too. It's like yeah. a subtle nefariousness. Yeah. Right? Yeah, nefarious, I love it. The more <laughs> the more people that are born and multiply and populate the earth, like they one of the I think one of the most interesting things that I've noticed when you're looking at like the new the Old Testament and you they say at the end of at at the end of certain people's legacies, like, and Moses died at all of X number of, but the, the, the fact that like the farther into the old Testament you go, like the younger men start dying, like mm-hmm. Noah died at 900 and whatever. And then by the end of it, they're like our life in expectancy ish. Mm-hmm. So it's like just this subtle over time, the decay of the human body without us even really knowing like realizing it and yet more serious is the spiritual death that comes right it's interesting that we're all so fascinated with zombie stories you know because <laughs> this really is our state we are the walking dead yeah um, without it's like those molds right that God's grab the, grab the insect or the frog and like take over their brain have you seen these Ugh. things yeah. Yeah. oh those are so creepy Cordyceps, or it's really, I mean, I, I don't know if that's wait, I, what? I, I, yeah, it's <laughs> what? I'll send you a video, Brie. It's really creepy, like a killer mushroom, it's, it's like a fungus thing, yeah. But it like yeah. it, like zombie, it takes over your brain and mm-hmm. makes those insects like they go up to a high place so that when it bursts out of their head, it sprays its spores. Yeah, over. it's just like something I read a whole movie, science you know? fiction so, album wait, about it. it. What? Great. 
Oh, ew! This took a weird turn. <laughs> yeah, so we don't want to we don't want to dive just totally into creation, right? But who knows? You know, is that part of the thorns and the thistles that mm. suddenly appear after sin? Uh, you know, infects the world or what? It also talks about how all of creation is subjected to futility, mm-hmm. not willingly. That all comes out of what happens when sin enters the world through Adam and Eve. You know, from the devil's lies, and uh, and it has these kind of twisted, not. Not destructive, end-it-all annihilation of the world and, and God has to start over or something, but it's like it just twists it. And I think insidious is the word, Brie, you said mm-hmm. it. Yes. Thank mm-hmm. you. How universal is this original sin? With, uh, in the military chaplaincy, move a lot in ecumenical circles. And, you know, there are a lot of church bodies that choose not to baptize babies and instead rely on the so-called age of accountability. Mm-hmm. And yet I think we confess that this is an inherited condition. Mm-hmm. Um, who is affected by original sin? Everybody. <laughs> everybody is born, born in the natural way is the way our confessions say it. And yeah. uh, we probably ought to talk about some Bible passages. Yeah. Know? Oh, please. Uh, yes. So it's very interesting. In Genesis, I think it's chapter six, God is looking at the world and he says, I regret mm. creation. Yes. I don't even know Ouch. how you have that. Like, how do you as a creation live with that? Well, you this don't. was a mistake. Yeah. God <laughs> said, God doesn't really make mistakes. And he says this regret thing in the scriptures. So he's going to wipe it all out. But yeah. of course he saves Noah and through Noah saves all the animals. You know the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he says, you know, he looks and he beholds that all of man's desires, right? His heart uh, is evil all the time from the beginning. Just continually the desires of his hearts, the intentions of his mm-hmm. hearts are wickedness. Yeah. You know, so so notice it's not just the things he does, I don't like them, but it's the way he's bent, the, the things he tends to do. If you were to put him in a room and lock him up, what would he be thinking about doing? And mm. what and <clears throat> if I could get out of these chains right now, what would I be doing? It isn't gardening. It's <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, and yeah, those are the harshest possible terms. We 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 can't call anybody evil anymore. And I suppose that's nice. Yeah. But, but uh, and so that's what God said about his creation, and and he sees better than we do. Of course, there's the flood. He preserves Noah. You know, described as righteous, and his family, and they get off the ark, and now it's like, okay, reboot, right? It's gonna be great. No, God <laughs> says then too. Man's not going to live forever. He puts a limit, the first kind of limit, like you mentioned, Bree. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then he says, because the intention of man's heart is always evil continually. The exact same phrase. So there's no uh, when you when you look at the whole story, the whole scope of the of the story of the flood. There's no way you can come to the conclusion that it says God is just going to restart and now it'll be good. Mm-hmm. You see that a couple times with Moses too. He's like, eh. Forget it. I'm going to wipe out those children of Israel. I'm going to start over with you, Moses. <laughs> right. <laughs> Moses is like, wait. I, I would wait. be like, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Moses, Moses does the, I mean, he does the savior, the mediator thing by yeah. saying, no, you made promises. You're right. going you to look like a fool, all these Egyptians. Respectfully. Respectfully. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, uh, and of course, God, God loves to be held to his promises. So, so he, he listens. Um, but yeah, it, you, you can't just restart the whole, well, let's use another biblical phrase. The whole lump of dough is infected with the yeast, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to rise. It mm-hmm. it's, can't be unleavened anymore. Um, so 
so what do we do with that, right? So, so that's how extend, extended it is to everyone. In Romans chapter 5, Paul talks about this at length, and he says the same thing. He says that sin entered through one man, and, and through sin, death entered, and it spread to all men, to all people, that is. Uh, so, so it's universal. So you say that when we are born, you specifically said anybody who's been born is, I don't remember how you said it exactly. I think I said in the natural way. In the natural <laughs> way. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. But like, we pre- don't need to explain what that means to you. Pretty well. like, <laughs> is it more like conception is like anybody who's been conceived in the natural way is sinful? Are you only sinful once you've sort of exited? I'm not trying to sound like a jerk or. No, this is important. In our era, we like to parse these things and be very specific. Clarification. Yeah, I mean, one of the yeah one of the passages talking about even where life, where where you want to put that line. I'm sure you guys have talked about that before. Psalm 51. It's not the most pleasant one to bring up if you're talking about you know life in the womb Mm -hmm. because it says. Uh, in sin, my mother bore me, gave birth to me, mm-hmm. and uh, in sin, my mother conceived me. Mm-hmm. It's like there you go. There's your proof that uh, that uh, you know we're people and we're alive in the womb because we're sinners in the womb. Mm-hmm. So oh, wait, hold on, let's back up. Right. <laughs> um, but but that's exactly how it is, and that's and that's how deep it goes. You know, it's almost to the point where some people have, in fact, made this this error to say that uh, the nature of humanity is sin. Right. I mean, what's a human person? A sinner. And that's basically our identity. That's who we are. Full stop. Uh, that's the best definition of a man. No, it's not what our nature is. It's not as if God created. God's not the cause of sin. He didn't create Mm-mm. Adam and Eve, humanity in the beginning, sinful. That's not the way he he made us. And yet the corruption now is is continual. It's self-perpetuating. It continues. It, mm-hmm. every, every person who's born in the natural way is going to be uh a sinner from conception. Mm-hmm. And why is it the reason we have that caveat? Well, only because we know of at least actually just one man who has not been born in the natural way mm-hmm. and who is not a sinner. And that's Jesus Christ. Jesus. So what do we do with texts in the Bible? Like you brought up Noah. Noah was righteous before God. Or someone like Job. You know, what? About, how does original sin apply to really good people? Because there are a lot of people out there who would like to believe that they are really good people, or at least they're trying. I think the Psalms are the best place to find this, too. Like, one, it's not our goal to go through the Bible and find every person who's pretty much spoken well of in the Bible and say, ah, but they're a sinner. <laughs> let me find out the five things they did. You know, let me dig up their past and ruin their name. Uh, no, that's not, not the point. That's not the point and not helpful. But, it's uh, not the point, but it also is totally possible. It, it certainly yeah. Could be. yeah. Mostly. Yeah. Most of the time. There are a couple of people of, about which scripture does not say anything negative, like Joseph. Or, yeah. 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 You know. So I think the Psalms is the best place to find mm. this because the Psalms are written by saints, by David, mm. uh, by others. It's always talking about how they're righteous. It talks about how the Lord is bestowing his mercy and his righteousness on them. And yet the same people who will say that kind of thing, you know, uh, vindicate me in your righteousness, Lord. Sometimes it even says, vindicate me in my integrity, in my righteousness. But it also says, cleanse me from secret faults. Have mercy on me, O Lord. You know, if if you would mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. So 
so these are the same people, right? The saints, right. the righteous ones, still look for mercy, still repent of their sins, still trust in God for redemption and rescue. So are you saying that people are at the same time sinners and saints? Wow. <laughs> Bree, you really are onto something there. What is it? What? <laughs> tell, tell, tell me more. Did you just think of that right now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I'm going to remember that one. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, so it's interesting. That phrase is never in, in our Lutheran confessions, I don't think. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's, it's actually huh. not. Uh, but it certainly comes out of these Bible passages and things that are said there that, you know, it is a Christian thing to repent of your sins, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's shocking to some people because they would say, well, Christian's a holy person who doesn't <laughs> sin, right? <laughs> Oh, not laughing at my sin, but they are dead wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, why would Lutherans, who are all about the forgiveness of sins, who are Christians, why would we want to talk at all, much less take a whole show, apparently, to talk about <laughs> original sin? It's because to repent of that sin, to trust in Christ who forgives sin, mm -hmm. is, is not to revel in sin, right. but it's in fact to... to to revel in being freed of it, which we can't do our own. We, we need his rescue. Mm -hmm. that's, that's actually rejoicing in the gospel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is something I'm sure that you as a pastor will hate, because I think most pastors hate it when people do this. <laughs> well, but, good start. I can't wait. I cannot wait. <laughs> Can we talk about Job? Oh, so I, I just finished like, reading yeah. Job. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like it may actually apply here. Because I really struggled with this book for a long time. Well, one, I flat out avoided it for a long time because mm. it's so boring. Uh, well, it's really <laughs> exciting, and then it's really boring, and then it's really exciting. But I've recently been been wrestling with this text, and it's hard to know what to do with it because basically, at the beginning of the book, the Lord basically says, Job is a good guy. It's like, have you considered my servant Job? And throughout the book, Job is like, what gives? I've been as good as it is possible for a human being to to be, why am I suffering in this way? Why am I crusty? Yeah. <laughs> but then at the end, we see Job restored when he repents in dust and ashes. Because, and I think that that's for me, that, that is, and I, I'm still wrestling with this and I, I present this before you. So maybe you can help me wrestle with it. But as a person who has not committed terrible sins in my life, and I don't think that's bragging to say that, you know, the, the kind of sins that wind you up in jail or on the tabloids or anything, it's tempting for me to say, oh, well, not as good as it's possible to be. And yet you see Job sitting in the ashes, scraping himself a pot shirt. You realize, oh, no, that's, that's, just, that's the true reality of mm -hmm. my soul without Christ. Help me out here, please. I'm just, I'm just rambling here, but I really want to make sense of this and see how it applies to this question. I mean, the friends do the best thing when they're there with their mouths closed, and it gets really bad when they open their mouths. Thank you. Yeah, I've been <laughs> that this whole time. So sometimes I guess just being there is all right. Uh, notice he doesn't. He doesn't. Res Job never responds to them. Right, the rebuke that they're trying to give. You know, there must be some. They want to say, Job. Good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad mm -hmm. people. Bad things are happening to you. What did you do, son? Surely you've done something. And I think Job's response is, no, I, I didn't. And yet we see he's still not in that right place with God 
that God mm-hmm. wants him to be in that we see at the end. Mm-hmm. God basically saying, who are you again? Right. But that wasn't why he was. That's not why he was in the situation he was in. No, it's such a mystery. Like, I'm okay. sorry. I'm derailing this whole conversation. Pastor uh, Denzer, from- do what you can with me and then let's move on. <laughs> I do think the rebuke from the Lord, you know, he's willing to hear the rebuke from the Lord, which is extended and pretty sassy from God, right? I love sassy God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, he didn't do that to the ladies, right? This was a, this was not for the ladies. It was, gird your loins. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you some questions now, buddy. <laughs> Pretty direct, and uh, and it's interesting. To that, Job has no complaints, no no rebuttals, right? Uh, but he does; he repents, and everybody, God included, the one who's having this conversation with him, has vindicated him, has said over and over again, right? You're a saint, you're a righteous man, you're a holy man, you're you're one of my Christians. We would say, in fact, I love that, right? God dangles him out in front of the devil and is like is like taking great joy in him. I mean, this is what he does to us too, right? Which is, to, which, you know, this is probably a later question we'll get to, but, you know, if if sin pervades everything we do, doesn't that mean everything we do is just worthless? Hmm. You know, yes, if we're going to hold it up to God and say, see, I'm worthy of something, you, you know, you owe me. Hmm. Uh, but know when God takes it and, you know, shows it to everybody. You see that with the sheep and the goats, right? The, the goats... Say they want all their evidence heard, man. Didn't you see all the times that I I did? When did I not do this, right? And God says, "Well, you want that answer, okay." <laughs> uh, whereas the sheep say, "Man, I I don't know what he's talking about. When did I ever do these things?" Well, and the God wants to tell them, right? And God wants to show everybody else as well with the job. Like, look at all the things that that my forgiveness, that my mercy, that faith in me has wrought in this man. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, despite whatever sins he had. You know, Job is even offering sacrifices for the sake of his children. He's so attentive to that. And and when he finally has his moment with the Lord, of course he repents. But that doesn't mean that he wasn't a Christian, right? That doesn't mean no. he's abandoning God. And in fact, I, I mean, I think it goes back to the beginning when his, his wife has the much more natural answer, I think, like, curse God and die. Let's just be over with this. <laughs> uh, and, and Job says no. Yeah. Well, I guess how I see that is, as relevant to this is that the first time I read Job, I thought to myself at the end, why is he repenting? <laughs> He's a good guy. And yet looking at the original sin in which we are all born, the natural state of human beings, that our posture towards God, Job's exactly right. Our posture towards God has to be repentance because none of us is exempt, even the best. Except for the one best, of course. <laughs> yeah, I think that's very helpful for all of the questions. You know, I think that's one thing to look at. Maybe we haven't done that very clearly. Look at what the scriptures say about it and, and talk about what the definition of original sin is. What does it mean for us? How do we deal with it? And then come all the questions like, but I've got a situation that doesn't look like mm. that person's a sinner. Mm-hmm. Um, or I have find it hard to believe that this person is sinning or is somehow guilty of something, right? Or mm-hmm. is worthy of hell. That's pretty stark. Uh, you know, so respond to that, right? Most of those things before each other are not as clear to us, right? And we absolutely have some sort of ranking, but at least before the government, right? Uh, you know, we do punish murderers a little worse than just, uh, I don't know, stealers of music online. <laughs> um, <laughs> Did you hear that, Matt Did you hear that, Matt Krzyzewski? <laughs> wow. But, um, 
RIAA has mailed us more than one time, but that was years ago. But um, he's a reformed man. <laughs> but before God, it's uh, it's a different story, right? So yeah. So we're talking about. I'm going to get a question in here. <laughs> Do before it. One of you guys talk. No, please. <laughs> so we talk about the human nature being corrupt, and I've been hearing in Bible study a lot about enlightenment and how that just kind of like ruined our whole understanding <laughs> of individualism versus you know everything else and and also i think what is it plato i don't know philosophy that Bring i never really learned sorry i'm sorry but <laughs> don't apologize keep going <laughs> but we talk about human nature being corrupt but then talking about just the god's creation of human beings and I think a lot of times that gets conflated to mean that human beings are in themselves bad then. But what do we what do we do with that? Because in the new creation, we will have flesh and flesh is a good thing. Yeah. It's very difficult for us to talk about life before the fall. Mm. None of us have ever experienced that. <laughs> uh, we All we have to go on, frankly, is from the scriptures. And it doesn't talk much about life before the fall. Yep. God makes a bunch of things. He says for a moment, it's very good. And almost immediately, it's ruined. <laughs> so not a good start. <laughs> no. Um, uh, no, a good start with him uh, and quickly, you know, ruined by the devil and his lies and 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 now sin is here and we deal with that. You know, so so when we talk about now the natural state of man, it wasn't that way from the beginning, but it certainly is that way now. And so I think we can find a distinction there that is is important to make that it's not just our essence is just, you know, sin and rottenness, you know, uh, that God made that God made something rotten, me. God made me, and the He has and the sinful. You know, He makes us through procreation. He doesn't plop us down, you know, from heaven, uh, brand new every time without any reference to our parents. <laughs> uh, creation continues, and He's at work in that. But uh, this is beyond our understanding, I suppose. Mm -hmm. That uh, sin and its corruption continues to remain, and that's that's kind of what's going on with original sin. Ask your question once more. I don't even remember what it was. But now I remember it, it, it wasn't Plato, Gnosticism about the oh, yeah. flesh and yeah, material flesh, flesh bad. being bad. But how does that relate to how we understand original sin and the state of, of sinful nature? Mm. Sure. It talks in the scriptures, like 1 Corinthians 2 talks about how the natural man can't, uh, the fleshly man is literally what it says in the Greek. Uh, the fleshly man can't understand the things of God, mm. of the spirit. They're, they're a mystery to him, right? This is not talking about Adam didn't know what was going on. And when God spoke to him and said, all right, name the animals or here's Eve, he was like, I don't understand. Um, <laughs> this is the way it is now after the fall. Similarly, it talks about how we were all created in the image of God, but then it talks about how that image is lost. You, you see in the genealogies, not our favorite parts to read, <laughs> how uh, when it talks about the children of Adam and Eve, it, it says they were born in his image, in mm. Adam's image, which is quite a thing yeah. after seeing the image and likeness of God at the beginning, right? Yeah. Later, it does get brought up when it talks about Noah, when it talks about not taking the life of anybody, not shedding the blood of another person because they were made in the image of God. Notice how that all makes perfect sense. Yes, we were created in the image of God from the beginning, and, and he values us because he's created us. 
and that can continue even if sin has corrupted it, right? Mm. Um, it isn't a matter of there's good in him, I know it, like Darth Vader, right? And we just have to <laughs> have the right set of circumstances to wake up the good guy inside who's gone into a coma. Oh, or a yeah. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing, right? Where it's kind of, you know, one part takes over and the other part goes dormant for a while. Yeah. It, there's where I think that corruption, that disease, that virus infected, these kind of images are much more helpful to understand it, where it's it's pervasive, it's twisting, it doesn't destroy or unseat who you are even, it just, it, it just makes everything dirty and, and, and nasty, and, and in a way that perpetuates the nastiness. And yet um, we do, I think you're right, we are still created of God, so that makes us these weird, this weird combination of of something horrible and something unspeakably beautiful. You know, when I look at each of you, I see beauty. And I don't think I'm, I hope I'm not wrong to see that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, again, we, uh, original sin is not something visible to the naked eye. And it's, and it's not really something we will believe fully just by looking at what we can observe and experience. I think there's a certain degree, I think it was Martin Marty, who was a, hmm. was a Lutheran theologian at least, and he said, you know, that original sin is the only doctrine that's self-evident or provable. Uh, <laughs> I actually don't think he's right. I think, I, I know what he's getting at, right? It doesn't take long to realize that your children are sinners. <laughs> yeah. But being a parent, I also know doesn't take long to realize they learned that from me. <laughs> so, so that could be, you know, nurture instead of nature. There are plenty of ways to get around it and, and say, I don't fully observe it or scientifically, you know, see it or experience it myself. Uh, but, but the scriptures fill in the gaps and explain why. And as you mentioned, it is separable to say we are created good by God. He says very good in the beginning. And that can be true while at the same time our nature is thoroughly and all the way corrupted. I think it's just helpful to realize we are not able to actually separate it truly. Only God can make this divorce, you know, from the, the good from the bad, the separation. Um, only he can cure this corruption. This is what Christ has done. Mm -hmm. So how does having this sort of understanding of original sin how does that benefit us? What does that do for how we mm -hmm. engage with society, with mm -hmm. our with our brothers and sisters in Christ, with with the society who are not our brothers and sisters <laughs> yeah. in Christ? Yeah. How does how does that is it important to have that understanding in order to engage? Is it different in how we engage in those different contexts, or is this something that maybe it's not so helpful to think too much about and better to, you know, like when you start trying to think too much about God the Father and better to focus on Jesus, you start drifting um, or thinking too much about the nature of Satan. That's not a helpful thing. So, so shift your focus. Is it, is it helpful to have an understanding of original sin? Is it, how does it play out in our engagements and our way, the way we understand the world and how we relate to each other. Yeah, those are great questions. Uh, so it says that the scriptures are useful, right? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And that's been really important to us as Lutherans to say the scriptures are useful. It's mm -hmm. an assertion. And, uh, and that means that this teaching too is very useful. You're right also that there are ways in which some of these deep doctrines, the ones that we especially can't see with our naked eyes, so to speak, 
thinking about them doesn't always seem very useful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it gets us down weird paths. Usually when that happens, it's because we're speculating, because we're not mm. sticking with the word of God. <laughs> yep. We're yeah. trying to say, all right, I want to see this like um, with my own eyes. Mm. I want to I want to peek behind the curtain and, and understand this directly without actually going through God's word. This is really important when we think about like God knowing everything and mm. his election at the beginning of the world. And, well, I just want to jump to the see if I can peek into heaven and find that out. Mm. Not going to work and actually going to be detrimental to us too. Yeah. Mm. But but I think understanding, so first of all, to say original sin seems very stark. And a lot of people say like Lutherans are talk about sin too much already. So why would you want to make it even worse and say, there's sin that you don't even know about. It's that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, not at all. In fact, if, if our sin is all the greater, that means Christ is all the greater Savior. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I find this incredibly helpful to say. I mean, there are people who have really deep sins, like not just that they've done something bad that they're never going to get over, but they have thought something bad. They have wanted something bad. They can't seem to change what they want. Mm. Right. They they desperately wish they didn't feel or think this way, but they still do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and they will they will I think laugh and scoff at us if we just say, well, you should just. You should just get better. You should just try harder. You should just mm-hmm. uh, think differently. Well, have you ever tried that? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> Sorry. Original sin actually allows us to say, we we believe at least, we know why it's out of your control. Yeah. And we know why um, it's not going to just fix itself by snapping my fingers. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, that this is something Jesus has shed his blood for and actually can forgive. Mm-hmm. It seems like setting a limit on sin and saying, well, there are certain areas that are not sinful and don't have to worry about it. And uh, and we'll just in this corner, if you if you just ignore everything else, right, cut this out of your frame and just look at this part. Righteous. Perfect. You know, good. God's please. He's, he's like two thumbs up. And, uh, you know, if you if you cut out all the bad things in my life, I'm a pretty good person. Right? <laughs> I just went like, like 30 minutes today without obvious sinning. Yeah, the rest of it. Perfect. <laughs> uh, this is our, our temptation. And it's obvious, you know, when somebody else points it out to us like we just did, we see it's kind of shallow. It doesn't really hold up. Mm-hmm. But we're we're much more deceptive to ourselves. That's what I mean about the twisting, corrupting, you know, just ugh, ruining it in such a subtle way uh, that, that nefarious that sin is, uh, original sin. But if we actually acknowledge it all the way down, however deep and dark this path goes and however close to me it gets, it also means that Christ Jesus is the savior of all of that. I mean, there's nothing outside of his control. I, that that and that is a real danger for us that we will say no to God's law that we'll reject say this is not sin I'm totally fine get off my back God I have nothing to, I have no reason to be uh, uh, repenting to you and uh, in such a case then he says okay you can keep that sin what a waste because Christ Jesus has shed His blood to take that sin away mm-hmm. we want we're really not I I love. Luke 24, Jesus rises from the dead, right? Spends all morning uh, appearing to everybody, telling them peace, forgiveness of sins over and over again. I'm alive. Trust in me. Uh, and finally gets the upper room, shows them the whole scriptures, understand it all. What's the point of all this? What's the reason I need to suffer and die? So that repentance into, that's the word in Greek, for, with a purpose, ending in the forgiveness of sins can be preached to the whole world. And that's our attitude as Lutherans, as Christians. We're never satisfied until 
all sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. And uh, that doesn't just mean that we're a nail looking for the sin hammer to clobber everybody. It means it means we want to uh, we want to find them all so that nobody is deceived into thinking. I, I couldn't be forgiven for this sin or I don't have to be forgiven for this sin to say, nope, Jesus actually is going to cover that too. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing we're convinced that will produce a life that can have joy and good works and all sorts of other things. And and we just want the forgiveness of sins to be covering everything. So I think that is, for, uh, we can go into more detail, but I think that's that's why the forgiveness of sins or, or the kind of indirectly, that's why original sin is so important. And I think it also just helps us kind of practically. We're not surprised to find that people are at odds with themselves. They're at odds with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely they, has practical implications for parenting. Yeah. <laughs> whether you whether you think your children are born basically good or basically sinful, that changes your your strategy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And for society, uh, like uh, society stinks. But we're not the first people to say that. Every mm-hmm. society has said that. Every government, <laughs> we're perpetually disappointed with politics. Politics is a very good thing. It's people talking to each other and living together. That's all it is. And yet we're never that satisfied with it. <laughs> it is tremendously comforting as a Christian to understand that this world is, in fact, penultimate. Mm-hmm. That the, the goodness of government is penultimate. That's, that's very good news if your government's not perfect. <laughs> um, as ours isn't. Penultimate, of course, meaning not the last not thing. To, yeah, not the ultimate thing. Not the last uh, thing. Mm-hmm. No million dollar words, please, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't brought out concupiscence yet. Oh, we're getting there. <laughs> All right. Because I have another question, too. And we can do concupiscence first. Or I also want to talk about the difference between original sin that corrupts your whole being versus actual sins. You know, when I say that snippy thing to my husband or, you know, I'm unduly harsh to my children, those sorts of sins. How does that relate to original sin? Does it, it's, what, what's the distinction? Sure. So I think there are two main parts. We never really did a very good definition of original sin at the beginning, but I think there's oh, kind let's of do that parts, I think there's kind of two parts that are important. <laughs> I think the first one is the more important and the one that once we grasp it, we have less trouble with the second one. The second one is it's inherited, right? It's from Adam. It's inborn. That's the one that gets our hackles up because we say, well, that's not fair. It's not my fault. It was, I was born with this or it came from Adam. It's his fault. Why should I be troubled with it? But the first part is the bigger one. And that's what the corruption is. The nature of the corruption is that it's a corruption of desires and inclinations. And that's what our, our $25 million word concupiscence means. Yes. You can you can almost hear the word Cupid in there, right? Mm-hmm. Like the little naked baby with the bow. <laughs> What's he do? He shoots people with the arrows and makes them fall in love, makes them want each other. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, <laughs> gross. Yeah. Usually so, not in appropriate ways and not usually with appropriate people either. Yeah. Yeah, well, Cupid is, this is a lust word. Now, mm. in our language, lust only is the Sixth Commandment. It's only gross stuff. But the word the word <laughs> lust, the word desire, the word concupiscence is lust of all things. And I think mm. it's very helpful to say, in what way did Eve lust in the garden? She wanted to be like God. She wanted something very badly, the knowledge. Mm-hmm. That's right. That was, I mean, in a way, almost a noble goal, right? To knowledge, right? Here she is mm. with her little graduate's cap, right? She's a university graduate already. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Uh, well, some people have described it that way. It's, uh, it's and an we're op- still paying off our student loans today. <laughs> well done. Oh, yay. Wow. No, no public servant loan forgiveness for you on that one. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I derailed you. I feel attacked. I'm triggered right now. <laughs> Uh, so the yeah, lust- she lusted after knowledge. <laughs> We're trying to get back to lust, and you guys are having good jokes here. So. <laughs> We're hilarious. <laughs> the desires, the wants are for, I mean, twisted things, right? Take mm-hmm. something noble, as great as knowledge, right? If, if only we knew everything, uh, mm-hmm. what could get done, right? And, and there we discover, actually, that was like the undoing of the world, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's what concupiscence means, is lust, desire, an inclination. And... And now this is the drive, this is the origin, there's the original word, of all the rest of it. So yes, it's easy to observe that many people have done bad things. Uh, And then we could talk about how bad this thing is or how not so bad that thing is. We can talk about, was that really one bad thing or was it two bad things? Are there bad things that are done with our hands and our actions? Are there also bad things that are said? Are there bad thoughts? And, and there's the one that we're really nervous to go to because we identify it so closely with who we are, especially in America, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe this is your enlightenment, Plato. Yep. Thing. What do I want? Mm-hmm. What are my rights? Ooh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So now you're talking about the, the realm of concupiscence. Now you're talking about the realm of desires, oh. inclinations, wants, right? And the bold thing that scripture says, the bold thing that we as Lutherans confess is those are sinful. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means they're like they're bent toward the sin, but also are that they all uh, is everything we want bent. Hmm. Whoa, stump! <laughs> not in such a way. Not in such a way that all of the things uh, that everything you want is just wrong. Like um, I would like to eat sometime this evening. That's wrong. That's sinful, right? No, uh, certainly there are things below us and there are things that are natural to us the way God made us. And uh, we have to be careful because those often are corrupted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are many things that are that are natural and proper. And yet the way in which they're wanted often is for mm-hmm. ill. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it's hard for us to talk about this in an abstract, non-concrete way. Yeah. But but there's a way in which original sin is not concrete. It's not something that's visible and evident. As soon as we put it into that realm, we're talking about an action, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a glutton. Right? I want to I want to eat 10 pizzas tonight. <laughs> 11 uh, pizzas. Ooh, even better. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, and this I think is back to your question of kind of the intersection between concupiscence and just straight up sins, doing wrong things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one leads to the other. Yep. So we have this heart this is the biblical language of heart right that it's it's more than just the big circle of love it's more than obviously the thing pumping your blood but it's it's the seed of your all of it combined emotions desires wants will hard to hard to separate these that's the way that's all what we mean when we say heart in the bible right mm-hmm. the heart is desperately wicked and corrupt who mm-hmm. can understand it that's jeremiah 17 or what god said in genesis 8 right uh that the heart of man is is the intention of man's heart is wicked from the beginning mm-hmm. uh, so, so like the the sinful acts that we do then would it be fair to say that that's sort of a manifestation of original sin 
I think that's a fine way to say it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've also heard people use like analogy of a virus. Some mm. viruses give you warts and pimples. Mm. Uh, and it's one thing to go around and pop all those and get Ew. rid of them or put the cream on. Ew. But that doesn't actually address the, the underlying. It's always going to be there. It's just symptoms, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so in a way, I think that's the way we can describe actual sins. You know, what can I put a name to that was an act of stealing or that was an act of lying? You know, but but when did I start lying in my in my words? When did I start lying in my thoughts? When did I first have the thought that, or the inclination, or the desire to tell a falsehood? Right? Okay, this mm-hmm. is a. This is, you're gonna have to fix this. This is. I'm sure. I'm moving into Bree's area. Hop of on the train. <laughs> Here's my question. All aboard. So Jesus had no original sin. Right? Ah, here we go. This is a classic yes! one. Yeah. <laughs> So he had no concupiscence. He never struggled with that, right? That's right. Yeah. So didn't he have it easier than us? Like it says, no, 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 no. It says that he was tempted in every way, yes, but he wasn't tempted in every way. He did not have the concupiscence to deal with while the temptation was happening. You got the answer Fix there, it. Rachel? Fix it. No, Fix it for me. No. I feel so hard too. <laughs> I feel so, stumped, oh, and yet. So we got an inside. We got an inside man. I mean, this is. The, yeah. I, I love the insidious word, right? Yeah. Huh. We. <laughs> the problem is in us, right? Uh, we have been talking very interior focused when we mm-hmm. talk about original sin, heart, mm-hmm. heart deep, right? For us, there is no experience we've ever had where some where the idea and the thought hasn't occurred to us that we didn't also want to go for yeah, it, right? yeah exactly you can't parse that out i can't ugh. parse that out i i could tell my i could have the instant where i said oh that's disgusting i can't do that right or no that's wrong i'm gonna no right we can yeah. we, we can hold ourselves back from doing it from saying it even to a certain degree from thinking it or we can at least tell ourselves no i'm gonna deny that i'm not gonna go there god be praised for all that mm-hmm. as someone yeah. mentioned before right Absolutely. i didn't get to say it it's not wrong when the pharisee says thank god i'm not like other men but it's wrong when you say, thank God that I <laughs> not, you know, am not like other men, right? Mm. Who, I mean, that is something to thank God for what we've been preserved from, but not to, you know, really thank him that I'm so awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, back to our point. <laughs> okay, I got, I got one when you're done. Okay, oh, okay. Please go on. The Lord never, the Lord Jesus never had this. He was not able to sin in, in the same equal and opposite way that we are not able to not to, not to sin. sin. Exactly. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, so, so yeah, he never, we have never experienced this. We have never experienced the distinction, the, the moment between, and again, that's the wrong way to describe it because there's no moment. He is never tempted by the devil in the sense that he wants it and then he says, no, I'm not going to do it. Right, he desires the evil thing and I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. But that is always the way it is for us. Mm-hmm. Um and this is why it's helpful to understand the corruption of original sin, not to not to say, I don't have to worry about it, right? We're all human, we say all the time. Mm. I, I'm just a human. That's why I do bad things. So mm. was Jesus, though. False. Exactly. Mm. Uh, I mean, Christ is very helpful then in illustrating the point that we've asserted already, right? That there's not an equation between humanity and wicked evil original sin right. but it is that corruption the corruption that jesus is free from mm-hmm. so so when jesus comes back to restore creation yeah 
will we be like that then? Or because sin, death, and the devil have been destroyed entirely, it won't even be a thing? Say it again. Okay, so <laughs> Jesus lacked concupiscence. Am I right? Are you tracking with me here? That's I correct? I agree. Okay, so when the second coming is here and he rises everyone from the dead and we are in paradise with him, will we also at that point lack the concupiscence that we currently experience as sinful human beings or will the con concupiscence sort of be irrelevant at that point oh, because uh, evil has been fully uh, taken care of i suppose both are true which maybe okay. makes it feel like that's not fair like a, <laughs> i mean but i think that's also part overkill. of our that's <laughs> overkill that's also part of, i mean but this is this is this is the problem with this discussion. I think why it sometimes it's <laughs> frustrating in Bible class because you start asking questions and pretty soon the pastor or whoever's responding wants to say, well, you're sinning, you're original sinning right now. <laughs> if, or to even ask that, you know, this is dangerous. In Christianity, we don't want to say you can't ask that question because to ask that question danger. is wrong, right? Mm. Uh, there are some questions you can't ask and uh, that seems like a cop out. That doesn't um, stop me. Yeah. Brie asks all I, the I don't think it can. I mentioned this to Sarah today. I mean, how did the preacher today, who happened to be me. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Great job, by the way. Thank you. I, I think this, the sermon delved deep. It was long on the law side and short on the gospel side. I do think the gospel predominated, I would argue. You can critique me if you want. but uh, You can listen to it on KFUO.org. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it spent a long time digging into anger and sin. Yeah. Mm. And, yeah. and, uh, a little bit trying to avoid the parsing of what's the difference. Um, but how did the chaplain seem to know so much about anger hmm. that he was actually able to say things that might prompt in my heart to say, I think he's talking about me. Hmm. He's talking that's about me. that's answer, a really good question. Probably the chaplain read a blog about it and somebody else had this mm -hmm. experience, but he didn't know, of course. No. <laughs> you're being awfully ambiguous. I'm not sure what you're actually saying right now. I, I think I actually have had some experience. Chaplains don't get angry. Come on. <laughs> False. Whenever a pastor is nailing you in the pulpit, like he actually has got your sin pinned and he like is thinking in your thoughts. It's probably not because he's thinking in your thoughts. It's probably because he himself is a sinner. Nice. Uh, I, I mean, it, pastors shouldn't really brag about their sins from the pulpit. That's just not helpful to anybody. But um, Helpful guideline, though. Well, I, I mean. Perspective, rather. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, what, what Christians themselves, the Christian experience of the Lord's tremendous mercy against our seemingly bottomless sin you know, can be encouraging to one another. And this is the encouragement we have from the saints to see Peter after all of his mess mm. absolved, you know, mm -hmm. even made kind of the foremost of all the apostles <laughs> right. uh, is a great story and very comforting for me because <laughs> I'm no apostle, mm -hmm. I'm no Peter. And yet uh, there are some things that seem very similar between the two of us. So mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and in all of that, preaching is hard. Uh, you know, am I inciting people to sin when I'm, laying out the the trap so to speak right mm. uh what about paul when he's writing romans and he says you know you who you who do this do you not also condemn that uh and i think it it causes us to think about the times we've done that and and to imagine that so getting far afield from our question but all to say <laughs> it's very easy to demonstrate and to think and to experience and to and to understand how we 
are not able not to sin, not even able to have these thoughts without, you know, going at least a little bit down the path in our mind. And then thank God pulling back and saying no. So no, I'm not going to accuse any of you of, of uh, being wicked and evil today. And we're all resting under grace and, and thankful for the forgiveness of sins. Amen, brother. But our objections, I mean, our objections in these things and our, our at least minutes of saying, that can't be, I just, I don't know how to deal with that. These are all in some way a reflection of how deep our original sin goes. Mm-hmm. I don't think we said this at the beginning, but but we were talking about creation and how we do distinguish between what God has created and the corruption of sin. Mm-hmm. And yet so much of what Eve objects to, I say Eve not because Adam isn't credited with it, isn't original sin is located in Adam. And we, we I'm sure we can talk about that more if you'd like, but Eve's the one who gets to do all the talking. <laughs> yep. um, and so we get to hear her thought process a little bit and we get to hear the devil's thought process in tempting us. Uh, kind of like a screw tape letters kind of moment. Mm. I should say he got the idea from the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and and we see that she is dissatisfied with being a creature. Mm-hmm. And so much of original sin can be can you know, what do you if you wanted to like name it as an action because we can't conceive of it as as not a a particular sin that we put a name on, I would be tempted to say selfishness. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but another one is just straight up idolatry mm-hmm. of the of the foremost kind. Me, right. I'm the I'm yep. the idol I'm putting in yep. God's place. Yeah, I could do it better. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's uh, that's what the devil presents. That's what Eve buys. You know, if God really knew what He was doing, He would see that this fruit, this knowledge, is good for me, and I'll correct the mistake that God made. Mm. Yep. And uh, and I think that's that's behind uh, all of our questions. Like, I, yeah, I didn't choose to be born, mm-hmm. so how can original sin that is inborn be mine? No, you didn't choose to be born. You're a creation of God. Mm-hmm. It's good to be a creature, but actually we don't find it good to be a creature. <laughs> we would find it better to be a God, even mm. though we're not God. You don't that, want that. And it me. probably wouldn't be better. No, I, I mean, <laughs> but that we is tried that once. original sin. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just wanted to go circle back quickly and, and talk about this question of Jesus and his lack of concupiscence and his perfect sinless life, even though he was tempted by everything from mm-hmm. greed and lust of power to, you know, the usual Ten Commandments, you know, temptations that we all face, every single one of them. I think someone pointed out to me once that it's, it's important not to judge Christ's salvation based on how hard it was. Mm. <laughs> Because, and we fall into this trap, especially around Easter, when everyone wants to talk about how excruciating crucifixion is, mm-hmm. you know, and go into the awful physical pain that Jesus suffered there. You know, a quick and painless death would have also accomplished our salvation. It didn't have to be the most painful suffering death ever. It was because that was the way God willed it. But our salvation is not dependent on Christ having done everything the hardest way possible. Please, Chaplain Denzer, correct me if I if I'm straying here. I think you're um, right. It's just slightly different. Like it's not the it's not the hardness that accomplished it, right? Right. It's yeah. It's it, the it fact isn't... that God became a human being and lived and submitted to death on a cross for salvation. I mean that that's hard. There's no arguing, but it doesn't have to be the hardest thing that ever. It, it, well, it kind of was actually because the physics involved are kind of incomprehensible yeah Yeah, well i don't know i don't know how hard it is to do a miracle either right that question (laughs) right Uh, which is easier i'll let you know if i ever accomplish one 
I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the pain of our Lord's death is easy because it is all sin. It is all original sin, as deep as possible, with full knowledge and full understanding, which God be praised, we don't actually mm-hmm. have. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's experience of many Christians that it gets harder to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. The longer you are, it seems like, well, the Holy Spirit has been at work in me for so long. I know more of the Bible. Shouldn't this get easier and easier? Our knowledge of our sin gets bigger and bigger, too. And it's very yeah. helpful to realize that it is the Holy Spirit and by the word of God. This was actually the Sunday's reading that convicts us of sin. That is a work of the Holy Spirit to yeah. convict us of sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is not a happy work, of course. And mm-hmm. it's not the final work. Thanks be to God. But it is godly. I mean, it says in Romans chapter 3, which is quoting from Psalm 51, by the way, God wins a victory in us when he gets us to tell the truth in our hearts. And it's not talking there first and foremost about the forgiveness of sins, which is a great truth, but the one that comes before it, that sorry, penultimate, <laughs> second to last truth, which is that we're sinners and we actually acknowledge it without deceit in our heart, which is what I'm really good at. <laughs> uh, and and that's a that's a victory. That's the way Paul writes it there. That he wins the victory in us. And thankfully he does it slowly. He lets it out a little bit at a time. I mean, this is what is so fruitful about individual confession absolution, where you actually do name not just concupiscence, not just, well, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinful all the way through, you know, bad. I'm just bad, bad, bad. You know, it's not just down talking us, but where you actually might name, I did this thing. I did that thing. I I did it twice. Um, You actually might enumerate the things that you are thinking and saying and doing. The value of this isn't that you just parcel out your problems into little packages and then they get forgiven in little packages. Hmm. The value of it is learning to understand your sin, and then learning to see how the Lord has and does and continues to forgive it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens slowly, graciously. It doesn't just happen all at once. I mean, I think it would obliterate us. The knowledge of our sin is, is, is right next to the knowledge of God's holiness. Why is God's holiness a problem for Isaiah? Why is he worried that he's seen the Lord? Because he knows his sin. He knows some of it, at least. Um, he knows about the lips part. There's mm-hmm. probably more. Uh, but, <laughs> probably not just sinful lips. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might have been, yeah. Sinful nose. <laughs> sinful fingernails. <laughs> well, well, so the Lord reveals this knowledge to us slowly. And, and I think there's a graciousness in that. There's a, there's a graciousness in all of the work of God in his word, even the work of the law. Right, Because mm. the Lord's purpose in it is not actually to obliterate us, to destroy us, to condemn us. He's done that to Christ Jesus so that he would not condemn us. Right, I have come into the world not to condemn the world, but that through the, me, the world might be saved, Jesus says. Uh, so, so even his conviction by the Holy Spirit of our sin, and however deep that rabbit hole may go, is for the sake of repentance and for the sake of the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. So again, why is the why is the doctrine of original sin helpful, useful? Because because it doesn't stop there. Because because we don't disclose this knowledge. It, it's the same usefulness as going to the doctor for a cure. Mm-hmm. The stereotype is that guys don't like to do that, right? <laughs> if I don't go to the doctor and find out what's been wrong with my finger that's been hurting me for a while, I won't have a problem. Yep. Bad logic. Bad logic for spiritual disease too. Uh, but the cure itself doesn't save you, right? Finding out that I'm I'm a sinner doesn't save me. It really just makes it worse. Now I'm damned. Now I have a real problem. 
uh, the gospel is the thing that that actually saves. I was just going to ask you, what do we do about this original sin problem? Yeah, let, let's end this on a high note. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're dead in trespasses and sins, it says in Ephesians 2. That's how that's how serious the problem is, right? Uh, but in Christ Jesus, there's forgiveness of sins. Uh, that, that he has taken the guilt of our sin away. That is given to us in holy baptism. Now, the rest of our lives even though the guilt of original sin and of all of our actual sins is taken away, that doesn't mean there aren't many things that still happen. And it doesn't mean that our desires for wrong things necessarily ever go away. There are so many things specific that this is so helpful for, I think, right? People who have desires for the same sex uh, sexually, uh, people who, have desire, who don't feel comfortable in their own skin and their own bodies, people who have desires for all sorts of wrong things and to continue to subject themselves to them. Uh, all of those things that are they're so close to the will and the heart, right? Which I, I think are big struggles for our world. Lutherans have a response to that, right? We're not surprised. Uh, we're not happy about it, but we're not surprised. Uh, and, and we're not going to lie and say that that's just going to go away if you take a pill or... or um, but we do believe that the Lord forgives it. We do believe that the Lord's blood was shed for that very thing. I have found very helpful what Jesus says. Anyone who would follow me, let him deny himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that's how deep it goes. And take up his cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. And whoever loses his life for me and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Right. Mm-hmm. That is to say, to lose everything and to have me is to have everything. Mm -hmm. Um, that the forgiveness of sins for Jesus is every bit as strong and probably stronger than however deep the, the, the dark pit of original sin in our hearts goes. Uh, And I think Lutherans have always been very strong at that, right? We're, we're, yes, we're going to preach no holds barred against sin. And we're going to let even our, even our desires and our wants be condemned. Uh, But we're going to let all of them be saved through Christ, who is a mediator for all of it. Uh, And and there's no sin outside of him. That was great. Thanks, uh, thanks, Chaplain Denzer, for joining us today. This was fun. Yeah. We'll do it again. Don't worry. Don't (laughs) worry. We have plenty more (laughs) questions about all sorts of things. Well, so gracious. Thanks for having me, ladies. You you can be on your way now, though. An hour right. later. <laughs> Wherever it was you were going to. Uh, you stumbled into a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> you stumbled into an hour long episode on original sin <laughs> with a bunch of women. <laughs> Ladies, if you have questions that you would be interested in us considering for our next episode of The Kitchen Table Talk, we aren't going to do these like super frequently, but we will have you back, Mm -hmm. Kaplan Denzer, again at some point. Ladies, if you have questions that maybe we can consider talking about on a Kitchen Table Talk episode, you can drop those in our Facebook group, Lutheran Ladies Lounge on Facebook, or uh, tag us on Instagram at Lutheran Ladies Lounge. You can find all of our episodes at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on the KFUO radio app or on your favorite podcasting app. You can also sign up for our monthly e-newsletter if you would like to receive Lutheran Ladies Lounge in your inbox or you're not on social media and you want to keep up with all the stuff that's happening. You can find out how to do that in the show notes of this episode or you can send an email to lutheranladies at kfuo.org. 
You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge Podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I could eat about 11 pizzas right now. (laughs) And I am a poor, miserable sitter. Ouch. Hey, it's biblical. I can say that. Right? (laughs) It's true. True. Okay. Take heart, ladies. Your sins are forgiven. Amen! Yeah! KFUO Radio and the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast are underwritten in part by Ad Crucem. Visit them online at adcrucem.com. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge.